Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. This week we are talking about Mistborn, The Well of Ascension, chapters 17, 18, and 19, wherein a lot of stuff happens. We we meet the Watcher, find out some information about him. We we get a chapter from his perspective as he talks to Straff Venture, and then we meet finally. I know Dak's been waiting for a long time. We meet the Coloss. So I am Data, and with me is Joe, Jamie, and Dak. So buckle up, guys. This is going to be an interesting one, I think. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Elders tell us, keepers of the bottom, treasures of the dirt. Russian string, we swivel and sing, and dig for the animals of the earth. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. Okay, yeah, and before uh, before we get into the actual chapters this week, I want to do a quick PSA. You may have noticed, if uh, you're paying attention, listeners, last week I went back and after several emails of feedback from you all and some feedback from uh, Joe and Dak and Jamie, I decided to go back to numbering episodes, but maybe just a little bit differently. I'm not going to say episode 20, episode 30, if I felt like that was unnecessary, so we're going to just have the number and then dash but my main concern there is that obviously we've skipped some episodes doing that and i'm going to go back and rename them so that it's all consistent but i don't know how that works with pod beans and the alerts that you guys get when you follow our show so for all i know it may say every time i change a title and hit submit again it may give you a new alert that a new episode has come out so at some point after you hear this if you one day get an alert that like six new episodes have been published that's probably what was happening, and I just wanted to let everyone know so that uh, it didn't seem completely insane to you. Or maybe Podbean accounts for that and won't do anything, but I have no idea because I've never done this before. Anyway, that was a, a well, quick... All those people who are waiting for like more more than one episode a week, all <laughs> yeah, of exactly. a sudden it's just like, oh, oh my god, all the episodes! Wait a minute! I've listened to this one already, I'm sorely disappointed. <laughs> uh, but anyway... Yeah, at least it would be that as opposed to them listening and being like... Yeah, this sounds new. <laughs> that would be sad. Yeah, they just like, weren't yeah. paying attention at all. Not paying any attention. Okay, so now that that's out of the way, what did you guys think of these three chapters this week? And was my prediction from last time about the reactions that people would have to these chapters uh, in any way correct? Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed these chapters. I felt like partial part part of my theory may have come true and I um I stand by an additional theory that I've made that this chapter supports pretty cool stuff that we found out in these chapters i don't remember exactly what your predictions were because i'm not good with the brain stuff sometimes but i don't uh i i I feel like chapters one and two or the first two chapters we read uh really built on each other the third chapter i was kind of like meh okay fair enough yeah i was going into these chapters keeping in mind what you'd said at the end of the last episode and I read them the same day. I was like, oh, I need to know what's going on now. The suspense is killing me. And I read the first chapter. I was like, ooh. And then the next chapter, ooh. And then the third chapter, I was like, Dak's going to be so happy. <laughs> we finally know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not another Mr. Monster. And then I was creeped out by them. Yeah. As you should but be. Otherwise, good chapters. It was, it was nice to have a, 
<laughs> it was uh, it was nice to have a few things to um, be resolved and a few things, new mysteries coming up and some things we didn't see coming. And yeah, it's good. We we we, did, we definitely did get some stuff resolved finally. At least we found out who the Watcher was. That was a mystery from the beginning. That it was like, okay, we'll give you some information now. Yeah, and I had to reread that line in the the second chapter when he was watching Ellen as you know my half brother, and I was like, come again? What? <laughs> reread the line. Nope, nope. I read that right. Okay, just checking. <laughs> That's a little bit of a surprise, uh, maybe for uh, for some people watching the, or listening, reading. Whatever you do to books. Okay, Dak, what do you think? I enjoyed these chapters. I I don't think I was quite as shocked at the revela- at the revelations as I think you expected us to be, but I, I still enjoyed them for what they were. I'd like I liked meeting Zane and finding that out. As I I know I've been harping on it a bit. I've pretty much given up on the whole Gemmel thing a while ago. I just kind of maintained it out of you know stubbornness. But I you know I enjoyed all that. I don't know what I expected the Colos to be. Like, I know I've been just like, what are they? I I don't know what I expected. I did not expect trolls with dermatitis. <laughs> That's an interesting perspective. Yeah, okay, that fits. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I expected, you know, more teeth, but they were fun to meet. I think the most, for me, the most shocking thing in that chapter was not what the Colos were, but who was leading them. I'm like, oh, that I did not see coming. So, we know that guy. Yeah. So yeah, all in all, fun chapters. Look forward to see where this is going. And just... For, for, for Joe's uh, to be reminded, my prediction was because I said they were going to be interesting chapters. I thought they were three interesting chapters and that you'd read the first one and say, oh, no, he was right. That was kind of interesting. There's some interesting stuff. And that you would find the second one more interesting. It was like, oh, wait, these are more interesting things that are happening than just, you know, a cool fight scene and finding out who this guy is. And that the third one, I think my exact quote was like, how does this keep on building? And that was my idea was there was. As in the threat to Luthadel. How does this manage to keep on building? Now we have a third army on the way that is going to destroy things. But anyhow. So let's get into this. uh, Chapter 17. The epigraph is uh, we find out that he says the terrorist religion and their belief in the anticipation started spreading beyond just their people. And I don't know if anyone else was actually wondering about that when we've been talking about it. Because we're finding out that Elendi was this like, I guess, prophesied figure in the terrorist religion. But it was like, why did everyone else in the world care about this person from the terrorist people's religion? And so apparently the the epigraphs in these three chapters kind of give us an idea of that. It sounds like the terrorist religion started spreading, and from the next couple of epigraphs, maybe that was because of the deepness providing a threat that uh, made people look for something like this. Not something I ever considered. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, it's a kind of oblique thing to think about and i guess really we found out in the last book that he conquered a bunch of the world so that alone would probably be enough to draw people's attention to what was going on we start out with vin still going through all those papers and orsor still being kind of sarcastic uh it's like hey why why are you why are you doing that on the floor isn't that what desks are for uh i've got to say i am totally there with vin the amount of times that i was doing homework or something and i'm sprawled out on the floor and it's like, perfectly good study in there. And I'm just like, nah, <laughs> spread out. So, Vin, I agree with you. You don't have to listen to Orso. <laughs> and there's a moment here where uh, Ellen knocks and comes in. And Vin, it takes Vin a minute to look up and realize that he looks completely different. And it kind of freaks her out at first, like a stranger has just walked in. And her opinion is basically, nah, you look good. Less to grab onto in a fight. Makes sense. So practical. Yeah. 
it always seems very practical. <laughs> we also find out that mist cloaks apparently are designed to like come free easily so people can't grab them in a fight. I think that's new. And she wants to cut her hair again, and Ellen thinks it looks prettier when it's longer, and she's like, okay, I won't cut it. Very cute. And then he's like, oh my gosh, is this your handwriting? It's so pretty. She's like, why is everyone so surprised by these things? <laughs> they go down to meet the messenger, and was anyone surprised by uh, the messenger and the watcher turning out to be the same person? Yeah, I did not see that coming. In hindsight, I guess it kind of makes sense after we had an explanation. But. After we find out who he is, sure. I guess, like, in my head, I didn't see him as being aligned with any of the factions. I thought he was going to be a wild card in all the politicking and armies and takeovers and whatnot. I didn't expect him to actually be with one of the armies for some reason. I don't know why. Just that's how it was in my head. Well, you had the idea about Gemmel, and Gemmel definitely would have been more of a wild card, almost certainly. So I guess it just like the same principle was applying to other possibilities in your head. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And we find out this guy's name is Zane. Uh, just for some reason, like, just as soon as I heard it, I'm just like, Billy Zane? No, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> yep, he's Billy Zane now. That's, that's his I name. I was like, Zane rhymes with Sane, which is something he's not. <gasps> so it's uh, kind of what I kept thinking. Interesting. His name, his name should be Inzane. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Oh, God. <sighs> We're only... Uh, no, only God like, can't help you with this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're only like 15 minutes in. We got the puns going already. <laughs> when he first said that he was insane, I feel like... I know Joe for a fact, and I feel like maybe Jack and Jamie, too, were kind of like, well... I don't know that I believe him when he says something like, who would say that? So now that we've gotten to know him over these couple of chapters, has that opinion changed? I said he was insane. Mm. <clears throat> I was of the... I don't remember a prior thought, but he is batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said he was insane, or at least he believes himself to be insane originally, and I stick by that. This voice seems to be very specific, which kind of bothers me. Because if you're really insane, right, it, it's not going to pick and choose who it thinks you should kill, but it's so adamant about killing Straff Venture, and then apparently the voice doesn't, uh, according to him, the voice doesn't talk to him when he's hanging out with Vin, so I feel like there's something, there's something more going on there. It can't just be like he's insane. This voice has got to be coming from somewhere. Hmm, interesting. It couldn't just be that he's, like, psychotic, but likes Vin, so the voice is like, oh, well. I, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, I don't feel like psychosis works that way, but maybe it does. Okay. I mean, he, he he's probably not the only person who's had a voice in their head telling him to kill Straff Venture. Yeah, nobody likes Straff. This, this, the next chapter really just exacerbates that. Like, it highlights the fact that Straff is not nice, and we should not like him. Okay, so... Ellen has sent a message to his dad that, you know, he wants to meet and discuss stuff. And Zane is the ambassador that Straff has sent to say, yeah, I'll meet with you. But he will only meet with him inside his own camp. He will not pick a neutral spot. He will not come to the city. He's like, you come to me because you're the one who wants an alliance. And if you don't want to come to me, tough. Which is very Straff, I think. It does make a bit of sense. It's like, all right, you're the one who wants an alliance. You've got to put in the hard work to do it. Like, I, I, I don't like Straff, but I can see where he's coming from in that regard. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think also it's just it's just another point of him underestimating his son, right? Because he's thinking, of course, my son's 
reaching out for an alliance. He he is obviously not suited to doing this, and I'm going to take every advantage I can in this situation so that it ends on my terms because, you know, I he's my son, I'm gonna make him my bitch. Like this is this is how it's gonna go. <laughs> no, yeah, that also feels very strap, I agree. Yep, that works. Anyway, Elland really is coming crawling back <laughs> when when things don't work out. So for Straff it's just perfect. That's true. That probably is exactly how he sees it. He's like, I knew that kid would come crawling back. Ellen tells the guy, tells Zane, we know him now, I guess we don't have to call him the guy. We tell Zane, he'll think about it and he'll get back to you. Because, you know, you're a king. You can't make these decisions too quick and look weak. Just like when he makes Zane wait for him at the beginning of the chapter. He's like, you know, I figured it's good to make him wait. Don't want to look too eager. But in the next bit, Vin is beating herself up a little bit because I think she thought the same thing or she felt the same thing as Dak that, like, this guy was maybe not aligned, not aligned. Um, she's like, ah, duh, of course he works for Straff. I'm so stupid. But that doesn't want to stop her from wanting to spar with the guy, apparently. So, And Orsor's kind of trying to call her out on it. And she's like, no, shut up. That's not why I'm here. And then Zane shows up and they have what I think is pretty cool. It's not really a fight. It's like a contest. Seeing who can stay up in the air the longest as they push and throw coins and all this other stuff. And I won't go through a blow for blow or anything because it's not really necessary, but it's. Yeah. And it's kind of a weird like ballet thing they got going on. And then it's like every once in a while they'll clash and then back away from each other. But I did like the the trick at the end with the coin. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. He pulls. uh, Ballet is a good word for it because they're they're kind of like dancing through the air. It's like first one. The floor is lava is basically the game here. And you don't want to be the first one to touch the floor. <laughs> Brilliant. Have you guys seen the, the Netflix show, The Floor is Lava? Oh God, <laughs> what a show! Let me no. tell you. Oh, it may uh, not. It may not be in Australia, no. but it's not good. Yeah, and I don't know, Dak. You may have heard it because they, <laughs> they talked about it on the Poet and Billy show uh, in one episode. But it's the most ridiculous. Like they've made a studio and filled it with water that's, I guess, colored orange, and then they have yeah, all this it's giant like furniture. Water. Yeah, and you have to like jump across obstacles and try to make it to the other side of the room without falling in the quote-unquote lava. But the best parts are when people fall in because clearly they've been told to make it like dramatic or whatever. The person falls in and then just disappears under the water as and they cut away and then their family or friends are like, no! It's it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's probably the worst thing that's happened to television. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in a while, you know? It's like a whole new level of ridiculous. Wow. That's not true. It sounds like one of those Japanese, uh, uh, yeah, Japanese game shows. Yeah. Where, it's not quite you know, like they, that. They have but... to do those old school course and get pummeled. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like Wipeout. Right. I can see that. Yeah, honestly, it's just like, you know when people talk about Novocaine for the masses? That's what <laughs> I feel like the floor is lava is. It's just... Oh, it's just the worst kind of thing. I was listening to um, one of the Rooster Teeth podcasts. I remember which one it was. I forget which one it was, rather. And Jeff was talking about how he tried to pitch the network or, or uh, several networks a few years ago, The Floor is Lava, the TV show. But this one was already in development. So they were like, no, no, we're not interested. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, random sidebar. What were you going to say, Joe? <laughs> uh, What were we talking about? I don't know. We're talking about the ballet of uh, oh, yeah. flying through the air doing stuff. Right. And I mean, it, it, honestly, it reminded me of like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It, it it seemed very 
samurai over the top like back and forth clash move away clash move away it was very um i felt like it was very inspired by one of those films hmm. but there's at least a couple times in this fight where vin's like ha i've got him there's no way he's going to recover from that and then he mysteriously does which brings us to the reveal that joe mentioned at the end of the fight where she's like how how did you do that uh, there were no more coins and he pops a coin out of his mouth because metal inside a person's body can't be affected by another alamancer unless as we found out in the previous book unless they're super powerful and then maybe they can and she has thought like why didn't i think of that why didn't kelsier think of that like he should have thought of this kelsier can't think of everything come on yeah they like these chapters really do just make it a massive thing where it's like oh kelsey would have known how to do this kelsey would have known how to do that and then this chapter comes along it's like kelsey wasn't like god right like he didn't know everything he wasn't like great at everything he wasn't uh, yeah it really seems like in the years since he died i know that was part of his plot and everything to you know build himself up as like an like you know the survivor and this mythical figure but the people who knew him still know he wasn't perfect he didn't he couldn't do everything guys yeah even vin is idolizing him a little more than he probably deserves but as far as alamancy is concerned like she learned everything she knows from him, basically. So for her, it's like, this is the guy who knew everything because everything I know came from him. So it kind of, as far as Alamancy goes, it makes a little sense. But now she's picking up tricks from other people. She's going around with coins in her mouth. And Brandon mentions in the annotations for this that he's like, this fight is for Alamancy junkies. I don't think there's another one quite as technical as it is in the entire rest of the series. I try to vary how fight scenes are handled, like the sparring between Vin that was quick and visual. This fight is all about pushes and pulls and weight, and I fear it's pretty hard to imagine, and unless you're really into Alamancy, I suspect that many of you skimmed it. But writing a book is about putting in lots of different things for lots of different people, and so if you're one of the people who enjoyed this one, basically, good for you. This is a present for you. That is surprisingly frank. Yeah, and I, I mean, I find that interesting. He's like, I want to have lots of different kinds of fights, so that some people will enjoy one, some people will enjoy another. Kind of thoughtful that he mixes it up for us. <laughs> yeah. He also mentions, it's like, yeah, you know, Kelsier never thought of the coin trick, but he says, uh, I don't know why Kelsier didn't think of the coin in the mouth trick, probably since I didn't think of it until this book. So if the person who created the magic system can miss that little trick, <laughs> then I figured Kelsier is allowed to. Yeah, see, that's fair. Yep. Uh, okay. And Vin ends the chapter by deciding that she needs to keep sparring with Zane, partially because he has this little kind of a speech, like, you know, you don't belong in their world. Can they really understand you? So she's thinking maybe there's something here that she can get out of this relationship other than uh, just tricks of Alamancy. Because he's very good, she learns. He does this thing where he's balancing himself on one coin that she, by pushing just enough to stay perfectly still, which she says is super difficult to do. So he's got some moves, basically. And the second epigraph is, If only the deepness hadn't come when it did, providing a threat that drove men to desperation, both in action and belief. So like I was saying before, that kind of builds on the previous one where it's like, Maybe this terrorist religious thing wouldn't have spread to the rest of the world, except that the deepness came at just the right time and made people desperate. But as far as first sentences of a chapter go, kill him, God whispered, is an interesting one. <laughs> and I, I also like that it's not just like, kill him, kill him, kill him. They're, they're, it's varied. Like the next one is like, you should kill him, God said again. But uh, Zane is, yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty messed up. He's got voices telling him to kill everybody he sees, basically. And this is where we learn that he really uh, despises Ellen because Ellen is his half-brother, but was the legitimate 
brother, I guess, the legitimate child. And so he was favored and pampered and privileged. And Zane was not those things. It's just just adding on to the level of irony because it seems like Zane is the son that Straff would have much preferred, but he's the one he cast aside. And his relationship with Vin seems like, oh, the half-brother is here to tempt you away from your actual boyfriend because he's a mistborn and can do all the things you can do. And he was all, he also had a rough life growing up just like you did, so he's very much a foil for Ellen, for Vin's affection in that sense. I'm like, is that where this is going? Maybe... There's a whole, yeah, there's a whole lot of just like straight up, ah, so you are really being set up as a foil to Ellen in just about every way. That does, yeah, no, I buy that. That's, he does seem to be designed to be a character that's very opposite Ellen, but still like, there's this connection there because they're half brothers. It, it's almost, it's almost like a soap opera where it's like, oh no, my long lost half brother has arrived to steal my girlfriend. And he has all the powers that she does and I don't. Yeah. Poor Ellen, he's just a normal old human. Yeah, and he's doing the creepy love manipulations like no one can understand you like I do, Vin. <laughs> Just wait for him to do the hair flick thing. Yeah. His long dark hair that falls into one eye. Gotta flick the hair, obviously. Now you have me thinking it's like a Twilight thing. This is the you're you're bringing down the quality of the the wordplay here. I'm not. I've never actually read that, Twilight. Does that so happen? I was about fair. to say I don't think that happens in Twilight. <laughs> oh, it's just like, you know, the, 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 the teen drama, bad boy in love thing. Sure. Yeah. Team. So, yeah, what you're saying is, just... are you team Ellen or team uh, Zane? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Would anyone really be team Zane? He has a head, a, a head in his voice, a voice in his head telling him to kill everyone he sees. <laughs> well, people were team Edward and he had tons of voices in it in his head. Bada boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's his whole thing, is he can uh, read people's minds. The bad minds. boys are surprisingly popular. Oh. I, like I said, i never read or seen those movies, so I really don't have room to talk badly about them. But. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true, man. Hey, you, you at least got to sample it so you know what, uh, so you have your thumb on the pulse of culture or whatever. I, I'll, I'll watch the Everything Wrong With, and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, those books are back... <laughs> <laughs> those books are back in a big bad way too because she just released like the original book but from his perspective or whatever really mm-hmm. that's, that's, wasn't she meant to do that like 10 years ago yeah apparently she's been working on it for a long time god i don't know i mean i that's it seems weird to me i can understand wanting to cash in on your super popular thing but it's like i'm gonna write the same book from someone else's perspective same story i already told but somebody else's like head voices. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very popular. So, and it's brought like it's breeze new life back into that series. So obviously she knows what she's doing. They're going to make the movies again, but from his perspective, <laughs> I mean, I feel like the movies oh, are third, the movies are third person. So I think, I think we're solid on that. Oh, they can do it. You just wait. Yeah. I, I guess it's better than what JK Rowling has going on. So, Oh, <sighs> Oh man, let's knock it. No, we're not getting into that. It's it's horrifying. Don't hurt my heart. <laughs> anyway, back to this book by Brandon Sanderson, who is an incredibly awesome guy. Uh, just, you know, FYI. Everyone's like, and very, this is the nice very guy. Very frank and forthright, saying like, yeah, I wrote, the, I wrote this for these members of my fans who are more into this stuff. Yep. The Jeff ago. Goldblum of the writing world. Everyone does. Jeff Goldblum's super <laughs> weird, though. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but wouldn't you wouldn't you like to be super weird and also everybody likes you? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like you uh, get to be as weird that's as like you want to be. That's like a dream, isn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get to be as weird as you want to yeah. be, and, but everybody says nice things. And people just like, oh, that, that. yeah, it's like, oh, you just go and do some random shit. Everyone's like, oh, that Jeff, what's he up to now? You're like, I have no idea what Jeff Goldblum's personal beliefs are, because he's just so odd that it doesn't, like, come into it. And I don't care. I'm good with that. Yeah, and when his character on Thor Ragnarok, when they said he had orgies, I was like, you know what? Normally I find that gross, but I get it. <laughs> so for you, it makes sense. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for so much just random crap. Back to the book. Uh, Zane has a thing where he's thinking about how he would like to have known Kelsier, and he's like, that guy, he was a good guy. Or he was a man who understood the power of being misborn and didn't let others control him. Which, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's not inaccurate. And we find out that his spy inside uh, Ellen's palace has left him a little message outside, hidden under a cobblestone. So it doesn't say that's the conjurer. Maybe he just has a regular spy. But we do know there's a conjurer spy involved somewhere here. So maybe the two go together. I don't know. What did you guys think? Did you assume that this was the conjurer? Or we did that not even occur to you until I said that just now? I consider the possibility, but I just still assumed that it would be the the Kandra because we've been, I guess just because we've been talking about it. But I don't know. It could be another spy. In my head, it wasn't. Okay. Oh, that was a pointless ramp. Yeah, you're you're fine, Deck. That was good. No, I totally agree. I I feel confident in that prediction that I made, but I also there's also something in the back of my head that's like, you know, it could still be somebody else. But I feel like the type of data he's wanting to get, and he said, I think that they suspect me specifically. I don't feel like we've been around any other character that Vin has been super, super suspicious of. And it's not even that she's suspicious of Orser. It's just that she asks him all these very pointed questions, and he's having to kind of sidestep them and things like that. And, And if I was in his brain, that would make me think... Well, she's asking me these weird questions that are abnormal um, for a master to ask of a chondra. Does she suspect that I'm not Orser, that I'm, I guess, in this case, if we're going with Straff's, if it, we're going with Straff's chondra, it's, what, Tensun or something like that? Tensun. Tensun. Yeah. So if it's Tensun, you know, I feel like that might make sense, uh, especially because he says that the spy thinks uh, they may be on to him. See, that's interesting, because... My first instinct when they say when this person's like they may be on to me, whoever, whether it's you know Condra, regular spy, whatever, would have been that it's of the people that we see Vin inter- interact with. I feel like she trusts trusts Orsor more than almost anybody because she takes him with her places, she tells him stuff, lets him be around for her like most private things, and so it seems to me like that's that would not be a person that would think that. But then again, that is. She just has Looking to take at him on from walkies. Ben's perspective. <laughs> walkies? <laughs> but, like, we know how paranoid Vin is. And we know, like, why she's asking various questions of Orsor or of anybody else. But I guess the way you put it, from, like, someone else's perspective, maybe they would see that differently. It never even occurred to me that if it were Orsor, that he would think she was suspicious of him based on what we know. That's interesting. Yeah, and that's like that's what I try, and it this may come from my history, like in college and stuff, reading plays and scripts and acting and stuff. But anytime there's something going on with characters, 
like I try, even though the main perspective is Vin, it's like she's having a conversation with Orser, and Orser's the one that's the most mysterious to me. So like I'm constantly, whenever I'm interested in a character or trying to figure out something about a character, I'm constantly getting into their head, trying to get into their head, think, what is this? Like if I'm Orser and she's asking me weird questions, like what am I thinking as Orser? Because to Orser, they're weird questions, right? Nobody, like, at least the way he's talking about it, it's like, no master's talked to him about this kind of stuff. No master's asked him to be a dog. No master has asked them to, like, to personal questions about Chandra, because normal people who have Chandra don't care. Then is, yeah. again, she's the she's the Harry Potter, right? She's the outsider that is now inside the world trying to figure this stuff out. And so she's the one asking all the questions because she's honestly curious and trying to figure things out for herself but to orser it's like this is an unusual relationship you can almost think of it if i'm going to make the harry potter analogy again you can almost think about it like the goblins in harry potter it's like especially grip hook there is like you're a strange wizard harry potter it's like you're a strange human vin like this is the, the types of things you're talking to me about and asking me about are weird to me like i don't this is not something that's normal for a chandra and a human to interact it's not a normal way for us to interact but yeah that makes sense. That's that's. I like how over the episodes, since you had the the theory for the first time, we keep returning to this one. This one's going to be your like your volcanoes. You know, like, yeah, gonna, hopefully it pays off. But yeah, I I, I really want it not to now, so that we can refer back. It's like <laughs> Dak has volcanoes and Joe has Tensoon, and it'll be great. Um, well, no, I mean, Dak has. I've moved uh, on from volcanoes. Yeah, that's now true. I'm on, you, now I'm on you trees. have trees now. Yeah, he's got trees and. Uh... <laughs> what is it gemmel i guess gemmel's not the watcher but gemmel could still be king of the trees we don't know <laughs> it's true <laughs> king of the trees what we need now is for jamie to have a crazy insane theory that uh is is not as well thought out as her last crazy theory that turned out to be true because that one had a lot of support. i'll work on it okay good good <laughs> uh okay okay back to well, the she, back well to she the... she had the her her crazy theory was Rashek is the Lord Ruler, and like that one turned out to be right. So yeah, yeah see, that's what I said. Like crazy, that one, crazy, when she, when she like a there, fox. had a lot of support. So <laughs> we need one without a lot of support. That was based on fact and support. Now I've got to just figure something else out. <laughs> well, not figure it out. That's the point. I just got to just come out with it. Yeah, you, you got to feel it. On it. You got to feel it in your in your bones, yep. like a like a chondra. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're back to Zane is returning to Straff Ventures Camp, and he doesn't think much of these regular soldiers, as God commands him to kill each one of them. And he's like, hey, go get the king. Tell him to meet me in the command tent. Which Straff does not show up to meet him in the command tent, just to prove that he doesn't have to listen to anyone because he's the king. This guy. I like when Zane thinks is thinking about his insanity. And he's like, I have this voice that always tells me to kill people. I understand that means I'm insane. Because normal people don't hear voices, and I do. Whatever. He found insanity. No excuse, however, for irrational behavior. It's uh, it's it's one way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I know I hear voices. I don't kill people because the voice tells me to. I kill people because I feel like killing people. So, you know, just kind of... I'm doing this because I want to. <laughs> and I just... I love the variety of the God voice, where he, he wants finds the night watch office command and uh, he, God says, kill him. He's not really that important. I'm wondering how it's the leap from a voice in the head to the voice is God. Like that's the point where I'm just like, okay, you really are crazy. It's one thing to have a voice and one to just go, well, it's the voice of God. That's a really interesting question. No, one, 
Like, did the voice at some point identify itself as God? Or is that just what Zane called? You're right. That does seem crazier than just there's a voice. I had never thought about it like that. Yeah. Also, which God was my question. I don't know. Yeah. Call Sazed. <laughs> Sazed. Which God tells you to kill people? <laughs> well, he's, he's naming it capital G, so it sounds like to him there's only one. To most, there was only the Lord Ruler who was their God. So. Oh, interesting. Who is he referring to as God? Yeah, that's a good point. Obviously not the Lord Ruler, because he, Straff, uh, I guess, that's interesting to me that Straff doesn't believe that, that she killed the Lord Ruler, but Zane definitely does. Mm. Yeah. Although, mm. you get you get Straff's reasoning, because of how little respect he has for his son, that transitions into, if anyone, if he has power over someone else, because that's how he perceives it, like, right. he controls, Straff controls his Mistborn, so obviously if Ellen has a Mistborn, he must control her, right? Yeah, you know, love didn't come into it at all for Straff, ever. Not even with Zane or Alan. It's like, no, I control you. Even with uh, even with his mistress that we're about to see, it's like, no, I control you. It's like, we're not having sex. I just need an antidote. Just give it to me. Yeah, you feel kind of bad for her and uh, really grossed out by oh, yeah. Straff starts talking about it, but we'll get there. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, just like maybe the voice of God is maybe Rashek has gone into the mist. Like we were saying, Kelsey is a mist person now. And uh, for some reason, Lord Rule's just following this one dude around. He's like, wait, you can hear me? Yeah, come on. I don't just think, kill him, please. I don't recall if he says how long he's been hearing this. I just assumed that it was a long time, but I don't remember if he actually yeah. says that. That was my assumption as well, is that it yeah. was a long time. Yeah, no, I just, I'm just spinning bullshit. No, 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 I'm back here reading. He says, unfortunately, one side effect of his childhood was that it had apparently driven him mad. So that makes it sound like maybe it was from childhood, but not necessarily. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Keep that in your pocket. We're going to... We, we've already talked about, like, somehow... You know, people, dead people may be manifesting in the mist somehow. So this could be an extension of that. There's no way to... Interesting. Straff wants to know if they have the adium. And Zane's still not sure. And Zane's like, I'm starting to get this girl to trust me. And we know that actually he's not wrong. She is weirdly, even still knowing that he works for Straff, she's kind of trusting him a bit. Girls can't resist a bad boy. It's very... It's unfortunate. But yeah, he does not believe that... Uh, Vin could have killed the Lord Ruler. He says, because of Elend, the boy is a fool. He only controls Luthadel because every nobleman with half a wit in his head fled the city. If the girl was powerful enough to defeat the Lord Ruler, I sincerely doubt that your brother could ever have gained her loyalty. And meanwhile, Zane is cutting himself on his arm to quiet the voice, insisting that he murder Straff. So, just it just gets more insane as we go, you know. Yeah, kid, kid needs a therapist. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, they're, they're sitting there having this nice, friendly discussion, and somebody brings Straff tea, and Straff, who is a tin eye, I don't remember if anyone might have uh, forgotten, I don't know if anyone might have forgotten that, but he burns tin to enhance his senses, and he uses it to sniff out some poison in his tea. It's a nifty trick. Yeah. And Zane's sitting here thinking, well, she wanted a chance to kill him, I told her it probably wouldn't work. Which is interesting to me, so obviously he's wronged the servant in some way, I wonder if he, you know, betted her or just was awful to her and she's like i want him to die or something i feel like just being around this guy long enough everyone probably wants to kill him maybe so he really doesn't seem to have any redeeming qualities no not so much yeah well i mean i feel like he's at least so far because we don't know what the big bad is for right now he's the villain of the piece so you can't have 
too many redeeming qualities, at least not yet for your villains. This whole book so far has really reminded me of Clash of Kings from Game of Thrones. It's just everybody's vying for this crown, except we're actually rooting for the people in Luthadel as opposed to in Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's yeah, hard to I root say, for I many say that. in Game of Thrones. And uh, Brandon mentions in the annotations here that uh, Straff is generally everyone's least favorite character, and that's kind of what he expected. <laughs> he's not insane. He's just a terrible person, and those do unfortunately exist. Given his power and upbringing, he's not all that surprising in his bulliness. But I wanted to provide a range of villains for the series. The Lord Ruler was one type of villain, the untouchable god, distant and mysterious, and Straff is another, the downright simple bully with too much power and not enough wisdom. And Straff really thinks that Zane is apparently behind these repeated attempts on his life. And Zane's just like, no, if I wanted to kill you, I would just knife you. Your enhanced senses would not help you avoid that. I mean, he's sitting there holding a spoon. He could just push the spoon straight through Straff's head with an, with like a by lurching it. Yeah. There's probably a dozen ways that he could kill him, and Straff's just, uh, yeah, poison's not necessary. Especially since apparently he already thinks that Zane is behind these things. Like, poison is what you use if you don't want anyone to know you did it. And so he already thinks Zane wants to kill him. There's no use in trying to hide it. Maybe he's trying to think to himself, how would Zane kill me without the uh, rest of the army knowing it was him who did it? Because if people know this, like, Zane is a Mistborn, and he does wind up poisoned, then it's surely, like... Why would the Mistborn, like, like his name? Why would the Mistborn poison someone? So it's the perfect cover for Zane. So I think that's probably Straff just trying to outfox Zane in his head, mm. and Zane's just like, uh, actually, don't go in for that kind of crap. That's a really good point. Like he, Straff would be thinking of it more like politically. Whereas we know that Zane is not intimidated by anyone else in this army. Probably he wouldn't care if they knew that he killed him. But Straff has a different view on it. That's that's a good thought. Straff also thinks that Adium is like a drug for Mistborn, and he's trying to dangle it as such. And God's voice says... This also confirms that they don't have the Adium. Yeah, I didn't even talk about that, but that's true. Like, one of the first things Straff says is, do they have the Adium? When one of our prevalent theories was that maybe Straff had the Adium. So what do you th- what do you guys think? Where is it now if we know that Straff doesn't have it? I have not the foggiest. Yeah, I, I can't I can't believe that he's doing a double double cross here. So I I would have to say maybe somehow the Inquisitors have it, but I don't know, man. It's that shit's blowing in the wind. Who knows? All I know is I don't trust Strath, and this chapter doesn't help me trust him any further. I mean, he could have yeah. it stashed somewhere, and he's playing everybody. That wouldn't surprise me. But is it too simple to have it just as a double cross? I don't know. I agree with you that he's a bad guy and paranoid enough to do it and have it hidden somewhere. But then you got to I, I don't know what his reasoning would be for hiding it from Zane and then having Zane like search for it in the city because he thinks he controls Zane. At least it seems that way in this chapter. If he actually thinks that mm. he really controls Zane, then why would you hide it from Zane that you have the Adium? Hmm. He also thinks Zane's trying to kill him, so... Well, yeah, okay, good point. He really knows. <laughs> God's voice says, why? Why won't you kill him? And Zane admits that it's because he's my my father. That's my daddy. I don't want to kill him. It's, uh, it's kind of nice, maybe, that Zane has this uh, deep down, is has this still where he's like, no, that's my dad. I, I, I won't do that. That's this line that I won't cross. And then Straff drinks the tea. And Zane is just dumbfounded. 
And this is where uh, and Straff. It turns out that this is a masterful play by Straff to be like, you don't know half as much as you think you know, Zane. Don't think you know what I'm planning. So I don't know. It would certainly make you think, <laughs> knowing that the tea was poisoned, even if you weren't the one that did it, to go, wow, he's still drinking that. Huh. <laughs> weird well, flex, but okay. It is a really weird flex, <laughs> right? Was everybody else just shocked I guess when it, he it, drank poison tea? I was kind of like, really? Are you just trying to be badass? Like, being like, look at me, I can drink your poison and I'll be just fine. You knew nothing about how powerful I am. And then he no, totally, like... John Snow. Yeah, and then he totally gets, like, all, like, hurry! Send that lady in here. I need an antidote now. It's just like it's it's a <laughs> uh, it's real it's real bullshit posturing. I'm just like what? I guess though for most people that are around or know of it, go you know Straff's not afraid of anything. Like you don't try and poison him. He knows what it is and he drinks it anyway. And this poor woman that's come in to give him the antidote, like he's in the, he's in the position where he already knows what he's taken. So getting an antidote if he knows that there's one isn't too much of a stress for him, but for everyone else, it's like, well, you know, don't try poisoning him. He's not going to care. He's just going to keep on keeping on. It's definitely a show of strength. And it seems to work on Zane, who's just like, oh, holy crap. That's nuts. And then we start to get into the section of the chapter that's like, just in case you didn't already hate Venture, here's some uh, some additional little notes about how he feels about women. Straff didn't bring all his mistresses with him on the trip, of course. Just his 10 or 15 favorites. Sure, you got to have your crew, right? Some of them, not because he was betting them, as it says, but uh, because he kept for their effectiveness rather than their beauty. Charming. Oh yeah. <laughs> I read uh, I read some of the inner monologue he was having about Amaranta Amaranta in uh, out loud to my wife, and uh, <laughs> I can tell you, she uh, did not appreciate it. <laughs> She had been quite attractive a decade before, but now that she was creeping up into her late 20s. Oh, God, no, not her late 20s. <laughs> oh, my God. He got rid of most women long before they reached her age. Oh, dear God. Also, how long before is he, like, when is he starting? Yeah, that's, the, that's, that's, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know. I mean, if she's reaching her late, if she's creeping up into her late 20s, then you got to figure 17 Maybe 18, at, uh, because he says this is she was pretty a decade before. So at most 17 or 18, probably younger than that. And he just he, he gets more gross all the time. Uh, for instance, on the next page where she begins to disrobe and he thinks, well, at least she's optimistic. Uh, don't, didn't women realize when they were too old to be attractive? Oh, my, this guy. There's, there's, yeah, there's just nothing to like about this guy, so we'll move forward. But Amaranta is here because she is an expert at herbs and antidotes and things. So he has her mix him up an antidote. Not just for the birch bane, because he's like, I think maybe that was hiding something else. I need you to give me like a general antidote to cure poisons, because that's a thing. Uh, yes, the wonderful cure-all. <laughs> yeah, he's basically like, can you just give me some penicillin? That'd be great. <laughs> 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 and then after he gets his drink, he kicks her out. And the the chapter ends with him thinking that as long as he appears strong to Zane, then the Mistborn will continue to do as commanded, probably. You, you really want to see Straff. Like, I, I want to see Zane kill Straff at this point in this chapter. It doesn't seem like he he's going to ever, 
but uh, you know, based on his clear daddy issues, which I don't blame him for having in the least. But uh, I'd really like to see it. Someone needs to do it. I don't think Strap is going to survive this book. Interesting. Well, the main bad guy in the last one didn't survive, so... Uh... I don't know if he'll be the main bad guy, but I, guess I think something else is going to pop up that'll be much a much greater threat. But mm. I think he set himself up to a point where now he's a lot more... He's, he's way more of a thorn in the side of the main characters, and to, and to be moving on, they're going to have to get rid of him, so... I don't know how it's going to go down. I would actually really like it if Ellen took him down just for the uh, poignancy of seeing the loser son, like the father <laughs> seeing his the son he thinks of as a loser, just be, just absolutely take him down a peg and then and then take him down completely. The look on his face, I think, would be priceless there. But I, I don't know that might be a bit too that might be a bit too cliche. So we'll see how we go. But yeah, I don't think he's going to make it out. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty sweet if like the brothers took a knife together and were just like, ha. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll make up and become friends. These these half brothers. Sick. Yeah, character development. <laughs> I mean, you got to figure compared to the Lord Ruler, Strath can't be that much of a challenge in a fight. So Vin probably would not have a problem or much of one if she decided to take him on. I mean, you got to get there, I guess, is the tricky part. Uh, the last epigraph for this time for these chapters. If only I'd passed over Elendi when looking for an assistant. Which that doesn't really provide any new information for us, but Quan is still He's lamenting. He's just regretful. Yep, remorseful. Sazed has used up all of his steel mines. And see, I, I was thinking you guys would probably enjoy this one. We talked about last time how the Sazed chapters are kind of fun and different from uh, our Luthadel chapters. But I guess really the Zane chapter was also kind of different from what we've been doing so far. He thinks he spent five months storing speed, spending every fifth day drained of speed body moving as if impeded by molasses and he used up all five months in six days and managed to make six weeks worth of walking that is a useful power no wonder mm-hmm. he saved That's it up cool. so judiciously but he's still a week out he says from luthadel if he'd had one more of those things then he could have made another week in a day and gotten there it's like you know it's like it's actually really cool like he doesn't have any of the pewter drag or anything that the the other guys had when they needed to move fast so I mean, yeah, it's a lot of build-up, but still pretty yep. effective. Definitely uh, less downside, as far as we can tell, uh, after the fact. Because pewter drag sucks from everything that we've seen. <laughs> oh, this is... I, t- I mentioned to you guys last book. You probably don't even remember at this point. This is uh, a thing that was corrected in the uh, in this edition of this book. Or the most recent edition. I don't know uh, even which edition y- y'all are looking at. But it says that he was definitely in central dominance now. And he'd passed these two northern ash mounts. Uh, hold on, now i got to bring up the map of the Final Empire again. Oh, I do remember talking about this, actually. So, yeah. It, uh, in the version that I'm reading, it says he had passed Fal- Fall East and Tyrion. But if you look at the yeah, map... that's what says. Yeah, if you're coming from the conventicle of Saran to Luthadel, Tyrion is actually past Luthadel from where you start. So in, uh, in the 10th anniversary edition that came out, it was corrected to Fall East and Doriel, which are the two that you would have to pass in that case. So random, uh, random fun facts. But yeah, we that was I forgot how we, I think it came up when we were talking about the maps in the first book. But yeah, possibly we both have incorrect versions, the older ones, I guess. My Kindle versions from a long time ago, but I've got the 10th anniversary on the shelf. So I know it says the correct thing. now. <laughs> and let's see. So he's uh, walking along, not running into anybody. He says, solitary travelers were rare these days. Armies 
are more common. And in fact, he sees smoke up ahead, which may indicate there is an, an army and an army being within a week of Luthadel might be a bad thing. So maybe want to check it out. Which now that he's used up all his speed, I'm like, dude, you really want to be careful with this stuff. Well, I guess if like, he assumes it's an army of regular people, then he could just use a uh, strength metal mind and just sort of, you know, juggernaut his way out. Probably. Yeah, that's a good point. But this, uh, uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's not humans. Nope. He climbs a tree and uses his tin mind to kind of zoom in and see what it is. And there are, it is not an army made up of men. There were no tents, no vehicles, no horses. Just hundreds of large cook fires ringed with figures, and they are deep blue Sorry, the in way color. You, the, way, the way you said that, he uses his tin to zoom in. I just had a picture in my head of enhance, enhance, <laughs> enhance. Yeah, I mean, that's that, I, that really is kind of what it is. But I, I also get a weird picture when I said that, like like he had like binoculars coming out of his eyes all of a sudden. Or like Bender, when Bender <laughs> zooms in on something, he's like zzzz, zzzz. <laughs> in this, in this universe, when you got things popping out of your eyes, it generally means you're a spike base. So yeah, no, you don't want that. What a twist! Says just now an inquisitor. <laughs> and so, I'll be honest with you. This is something that I've never been able to like. When I'm picturing these things, I've never been able to quite get my brain around the fact that these guys are deep blue. They're like these giant, ten feet plus guys with deep blue. I'm not even sure if that's just their skin because it talks about how their skin hangs off and we're going to, we're getting into that here in a second, but like, is it just their skin that's blue? Are there muscles or whatever underneath the skin that you can often see? Is that blue also? It's just, it's hard for me to picture. And even the fan art that I've seen of it is just weird. I guess mentally I just pictured like their, their skin, it was their skin that was blue, but it was the sort of skin that, no, the sort of blue that, you know, when the when the circulation's cut off in your own in your own body and your skin turns that weird pasty blue color, I just pictured it a lot like that. Oh, that's an interesting thought. I pictured something a little bit more like um, the James Cameron's avatars, but with saggy skin and terrifying. Oh yeah, that oh, wow. Like I was like actually real blue in color. Yeah. That's interesting. See now, because yeah. the, the avatar people are kind of like cat-like, I guess. So now I want to imagine them as cats. <laughs> <laughs> I just figure, pictured saggy skin Smurfs that are full sized. One of them, Papa Smurf. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have Papa Smurf. That's and, uh, we obviously uh, we couldn't. There what they did said they didn't see any female Smurfs. So <laughs> right I think on. my fa- I think my favorite thing about it is just like the blind rage. It's like, why did you kill him? I hated him. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, and here I guess. We'll jump into it, describing the Coloss, because these are, honestly, we've seen some interesting stuff. We've seen bone-eating blobs and uh, 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 and various things, but these guys are interesting to me, just the way their species works. As Says dips into his metal mind to remember more about these guys. They look kind of like men in general form, and they never stop growing. They just get bigger and bigger until their hearts give out and they die. They're basically, like, this universe is equivalent of trolls. I don't know, like the the fact that there's a whole the Lord Ruler could never control them and the appearance with their skin and stuff like that. It makes it makes me think it's like was this was uh Rashek like trying to experiment on people to create like a stronger type of shock troop that didn't need allomancy and this is what he got and like, oh, okay, back to the drawing board on that one. Because like it just seems like they're 
constantly in agony and they're also just like not very bright which i guess is probably good for a uh a military leader who just wants complete obedience but well not and i mean that's a really good point but in addition they, they do seem kind of like the perfect killing machine like military they don't they he talks about how they how they eat and it's like their stories that they they'll eat basically anything maybe even dirt to keep them going which is exactly the kind of thing you want in your military where you don't have to have supply lines of food they just eat whatever's around yep good point they struck me as like they are not natural creatures like the the mist the bone blobs and everything else yeah they're a natural part of the ecosystem these things i don't know i think they're like the abominations created by rashek and it's like oh okay that didn't work hmm. i could definitely see that perspective they seem they're just like how does how does this species last and Sazed even thinks it at the rate that they kill each other it's like how does this work as a naturally occurring thing and have they not just slaughtered all of humanity if they're a naturally occurring uh, species? So I can see that perspective, yeah. Coloss is completely bald. The blue skin hangs in folds. That The creature looked like a fat man might if all his fat had been drained away. <laughs> and it doesn't seem connected very well. It's like sagging and showing the muscles around the eyes and things. And the mouth. And <laughs> One of them, the skin sagged a few inches below the chin. The lower teeth and jaw are completely exposed. So that just sounds gross to look at. I don't... Gross and terrifying. And you notice that... Or he notices, rather. Because the one that's... You can tell how old they are. Because they just keep growing until they die. And so the oldest ones, he said, usually by around 20, they're dead. And the oldest ones, or the biggest ones, would be like 12 feet or bigger. And so he he sees one of the smaller ones, sees how the skin's all hanging around or hanging down, looks at the kind of maybe medium sized one, the eight foot one, which he says the skin is not as loose, but still doesn't seem to quit fit quite right. And he determines that it looks like they're wearing masks made of skin and that the body keeps growing, but the skin does not. Because when he looks at one of the giant ones, it looks like the skin is, like, stretched really tight and, like, ripping in some places because of how tightly it's fitting. It's just so weird. Like, I don't even know how you come up with that, Brandon Sanderson. That's such an odd, creepy... Oh, he doesn't say anything in the annotations about that? Interesting it's question. like, man, when I was trying to come up with these with these, with these, these monsters and stuff, I just had a night on tequila and wrote down whatever <laughs> came in my head. And this, look, this is what I got. Yeah, it kind of makes me think, I really don't like this anime, but it kind of makes me think of Attack on Titan. Yeah. Like, uh, yep. the way the, the, the design of the characters just makes me think of that. Um, just the idea of having your skin stretched across, like, a face or something like that. Ugh, just gives me the, and see, gives me the, the yeah. shivers. The Titans in Attack on Titan creep me out. So, I, yeah, it, it totally reminds yeah, me of that. that, that, that. Uh, yeah, that show's too gory for me. I can't watch it. Yeah, I don't. I saw a couple episodes, and I agree. It's just too much. So apparently, what he says about the Coloss in the annotations is that uh, he worked on them for a long time, and in the original draft, they were really different. And basically, um, in the prologue, the Coloss actually appeared in that first prologue where we see the Ska working out in the fields, and they were the taskmasters who were, like, whipping people. Oh. And they, they, they still had, like, blood-colored eyes... And uh, they look different, but they weren't like they weren't like they are now. So o- over time and different drafts, their how they were and their place in sort of the world changed really drastically. He says. Fair enough. 
He says, I put a lot of effort into developing the Coloss. I wanted them to be cool visually, live up to their reputations that he built in book one when he cut them out and kind of started inserting information about, like, the Lord Ruler himself fears these things and keeps them far away from human settlements. So after he'd built that up in book one, he felt like he had really paid off in this one. And uh, so Seist is sitting here, and he's – Seist is still the scholar. He's really interested in – confirming the stuff that's in his copper mines he's like oh my gosh i couldn't believe that was true but look they're really doing it and he, he's looking at it very academically and then he realizes oh this might be a problem if they're heading to luthadel and when he kind of unzooms his eyes the opposite of zoom and enhance i don't know what you'd call it uh he realizes that he has been surrounded by a coloss patrol and he was not paying attention so that's unfortunate and he notes that uh, when it talks to him, and they do talk, I don't know if anyone was surprised by the fact that they are, uh, they seem to be kind of sentient creatures who actually can have a conversation with you, which is not something we've gotten so far. It says he, it, the lips don't seem like they work right. It's like he's a man trying to talk without moving his lips, probably because they're hanging all loose and weird. And he does not think he can fight them. He might be able to run if he was willing to drop all of his metal mines. And decrease his weight. I guess he'd have to keep one to decrease his weight, but he doesn't want to do that either. And so uh, he lets them take him into their camp, which seems like a, a risky move to me, but he didn't have a lot of choices. So Says chose a god, Duis, a god once said to watch over weary travelers, and said a quick silent prayer. He's like, I'll pick one, say a prayer, maybe it'll help me out. He's very just like, uh, yeah, all right, I'll take this god today. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. It's it it just strikes me as like the sort the sort of people who's like oh, I don't I don't normally pray, but today I'm going to. And it's like, yeah, isn't that gonna cause problems? Like if you haven't, like you know, like you've well said multiple times, you don't normally pray. So what's this one gonna do for you? Yeah, you're not wrong. And at the same time, hey, it can't hurt, right? <laughs> I think if I was faced with a coloss, I'd probably say a prayer too, just in case. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just sort of imagine like this, like this god sitting on a cloud. It's like, oh, now you want my help. So I guess maybe <laughs> if you're irritating the god, maybe it could get worse. Interesting point. Okay. And then we get the first instance of uh, their rage that is random, where one coloss just spins around and attacks another one. Doesn't even use the sword that's on its back. It just goes after this guy and snaps his neck. He takes the, the victim's sword and a pouch that was tied to the sword. And straps them on, and they just start walking again. And says so like, why, why would, why did you do that? And he says, I hated him. Okay, good reason. Sure, why not? It's, a, it's, it's very direct. It's like, I don't like that guy. I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's society in this among these creatures. Yeah, no one finds anything strange about it except for Sayst, obviously. It's just like, all right, everyone keeps walking. And Sayst notes that they all have pouches that they tie to their swords, and the swords aren't even sheathed they're just kind of tied to their backs uh, a group of smaller coloss the five foot tall ones i guess those are the the youngest that we see rushed forward and the murderer threw his extra sword to one of them and pointed in the distance but he kept the pouch so i guess that that's how you get a bigger nicer sword in coloss society is uh, somebody gives you his old one after he kills somebody and takes theirs they preferred meat but they would eat any kind of plant even grass going so far as to pull up the roots and eat them some reports said that they ate dirt. He doubts that one, though. <laughs> and so, you're the scholar. Get some dirt and test that theory. <laughs> you want him to hold hey, out hey, his buddy, hand? Like... You, want, you want a snack? <laughs> <laughs> you want a snack? Good colas. Yeah, colas, 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 colas. 
I bring you this as an offering of peace. You didn't bring that. You just pulled it out of the ground right there. I can see the hole. <laughs> Do you want it or not? Uh... But apparently the Lord Ruler had some way to control the Coloss. And Sazed is like, we know that his immortality was a trick, so this must also be some kind of trick, right? Or maybe he got the ability to control the Coloss from the Well of Ascension. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it a trick? Was it something that he got when he ascended? I don't know. I guess I just need to know where they came from first. Mm, yeah, fair point. And also what's, like, you know... The Lord Ruler kept them isolate, isolated from human society. Okay, where were they? Like, I don't think that's marked on the map. Here be Kolos territory. Stay out. He says that their stories he had heard were stories of Kolos running wild in the far most dominance, causing widespread destruction and death. Were obviously true, he says. Far most dominance? Which one was that? Let's see. Now I'm going to pull up the map again, which I just had up a minute ago. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the one out past the Western dominance. So really not a lot there. Maybe that's why. That's that. that's why there's not a lot there. The, these guys, yeah. That, as you just, as you get yeah. out Big, on the edges, they get weird names. These dominances. That's the point where people stop giving a shit about them. Mm. The crescent dominance is out here past the northern and the eastern, and then the farmost is out here past the western, and the terrace is in the north. Okay, that makes sense. It's weird actually. Now that I think about it, because we always hear about the terrace dominance being in the north, which on this map it's at the top of the map, but the northern dominance is like kind of on the right it, I don't know, it's always bugged me the way this map is oriented and it just i can't let it go. oh good so it's not just me <laughs> <laughs> although compasses do not point towards the northern dominance or the terrace dominance in the final empire fun note uh, okay so coloss bad mean kill people and he even notices that one of the dead ones has been flayed and it's uh blue skin ripped off so that's nice. And they take him to a tent and send him in. And he notices that there are some humans outside the tent carrying spears and dressed like guards. And he's still trying to get his stuff back. He wants his metal mines, which we know what they are. We can't blame him for that. And the guards are like, hey, we'll, we'll, let, the, we'll, he'll, we'll let his majesty decide if you get these back. And he walks in to find Jastis Lacall, Ellen's, I guess, best friend, or seemingly from the previous book. Yeah, and of all the the turns in this in these three chapters, I think this one was the one was the most surprising, just because it was kind of out of nowhere. It's like, oh, Jesty's uh, mounted a Coloss army. That's weird. It's like, did that ever come up in their philosophy meetings? It's like, so what <laughs> would you do if you if if you ruled? I would summon the the trolls with Dermatitis and get them to take over for me. I don't <laughs> think that's really okay. You do you, Jesty's. It seems to be working for him. To some extent, at least. I'd love Although, to know how uh, he got yeah. there. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. That is that is the question. Uh, one thing that says notes is his hair is reduced to a few struggling wisps despite his youth. So he's going bald just on top of uh, whatever else he's got going on. That's probably just from stress of controlling his giant troll army. Yeah. It seems like it wouldn't be a relaxing job. And he says he is uh, king. Another one of the generals killed the other general. Like, oh, God, what was it this time? He had a nicer sword. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> and they have kind of a weird discussion where Jastis is looking for a reason to be pissy at him and says just very much, like, not really rising to take any of the bait, but just being like, nope. Hey, I'm not trying to spy on you. No one sent me anywhere. 
I was just walking by. I thought I'd take a look. And then he's like, okay, you can be my steward then. <laughs> Weird turn, but uh, apparently the Terracemen have uh, decided they no longer call anyone master since the fall of Lord Ruler. Yeah, and I and I mean, I get where Says is coming from, but that really, I feel like he missed an opportunity here to kind of be on the inside of what was going on. Of course, he probably rightfully recognizes that it's extremely dangerous to be so close to the Coloss and that this kid mm. can't control them so why would he put himself behind these enemy lines particularly but yeah i feel like he missed a, a maybe a missed opportunity to kind of be behind uh this enemy and and bring information to uh ellen and the gang about what's going on it's a really good point actually he could have been a spy i wouldn't want to stick around the cold loss any longer than i had to but it could have been useful I like the line. It's like, I realize that you commanded me to ask no questions, so I will instead make observations. You appear to have placed yourself <laughs> in a very poor position. I think I, I think oh, I love Says. I think Says sometimes reminds me of Data from Star Trek, and that's one of the reasons I love him. Like, because that line totally rings to me of something that's like, I'm not supposed to do this, so I'm going to do this other thing instead. But Says feels that his grip on the Coloss must be tenuous, and you are in danger, and you appear intent on sharing that danger with others. And Jastis is like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. I control these Coloss. Have you ever seen anyone else controlling Coloss? I didn't think so. Just me. And he says, they don't seem very much under control. And he's like, oh, yeah. Did they rip you apart when they found you? Did they pummel you to death for sport or ram a stick through you and roast you over their fires? No, they did not. Because I told them not to. Trust me, this is a sign of great restraint and obedience for the Coloss. I believe that, actually. Yeah, I believe that. I don't think it counts for as much as uh, Jasty <laughs> seems to think it does, but I totally believe it. So I, you have to wonder if he's found maybe the same trick the Lord Ruler used to control these people, these things, or if uh, he's got a new way. I suspect it's a new way that he's somehow found, and like, he thinks it's how the Lord Ruler did it, but it's only working insofar as he's just had them marching so far. Once they actually get into a battle situation with the other armies outside of Luthadel, I think he's going to see his control just slip through his fingers. Mm. We'll see. If there's one thing I would trust the Coloss to do, it's a fight. It's anything outside of the fight that I think I would be worried about. Uh, just more more the fact that that's when things get a bit more chaotic and they're, you know, yes, they, they'll be very good at fighting, but uh, maybe not so good at telling who they're not supposed to kill in the battle. Mm, that's a fair point. So, Sace calls him out for bringing these creatures. Even the Lord Ruler wouldn't have brought them near populated cities, and you bring them to the most populated city in the final empire. And he's like, Jastis says, you don't understand. I tried peace, but nobody listens unless you have money or an army. Well, now I have one, and I'm going to have the other one. I know Ellen is sitting on that stash of Adium. I'm going to, dot, 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 to make an alliance with him. So it's going to be, give me the money, and my Coloss won't kill you. The best kind of alliance. But he does point out that he's he's going to be willing to give Ellen a better deal than Straff, Straff or Set. And that I believe, because he kind of likes Ellen. Of course, we know Ellen doesn't have the Adium, so that's going to be a problem. Yeah. I just, also, I just love how like this is the first time that Sazed has heard about Straff or Set. And he's just like, I was away for five minutes. <laughs> what the fuck? It's true. Can't leave this kid alone for a second. Jeez. I mean, it was longer than that. He's been gone for like a year. Yeah. Eventually, Sage is just like, okay, look, I'm going to leave. So you can send me with a message for Ellen if you want. 
but uh, I'm I'm not going to stay. And you don't seem to have uh, the resources to keep prisoners. So let the Colossus kill me. Let me go. Whatever. But maybe you don't want to get the Colossus used to killing humans. Or humans in your camp, at least, right? So he says, be sure you're accurate. I have over 20,000 Colossus in this army. He can't fight me. He can't fight the others either. But we could hold the city if he wanted to be allies. And says things, one bankrupt, bankrupt of coin, the other bankrupt of common sense. Okay. Mm. He ends the chapter by thinking that if he wanted a quiet place to study, he had apparently chosen the wrong direction to run, which ain't that the truth. (laughs) To be fair, Marsh did tell him important stuff was happening in Luthadel, so maybe he should have taken uh, note of that. And that is the end of our three chapters this time. Anyone have any final words before we move into the predicaments section? Uh, sorry, I kind of rode over you in there. <laughs> hey, great chapters. I mean, I'm ready to uh, see some more action, maybe. You know, the ballet was kind of dumb. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm excited. I want to I want to get in. I want to get into the big mystery. I want I want the uh, sazed mystery to become the main part of the book because, man, it was good. It is good. OK, let's 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 do the predicaments thing. Who wants to start out? Who's got some predictions for where we're going from here? I started out at the beginning, so I'll go again. Um, so for predictions, I wanted to go first this time because I feel like a lot of times you guys influence me, which is great. But I don't, I don't think that's fair sometimes, so I'll go first. My bad. Sorry. No, it, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it's not fair to you guys. You guys don't get to be, you know, I, I make you guys go and then I get I get all the I get the last word. I'm trying to trying to hand that over to somebody else. For me, let me think. I really. I really want. I'm really going to stand my, by my prediction that uh, Ten Tensun is uh, is Orser. I'm going to hold on to that. I think that that is very possible. I also don't think. I don't know. I think I don't think Zane is insane. I think there is some kind of something talking to him because I feel like it's a little too specific. So that's my prediction on that. Again. Now there's three armies. Things are not going to go as planned. Things are not going to go well for our heroes uh, at the outset of this battle. I mean, at best, we would hope that the Coloss would just, like, destroy the other two armies. But even then, then then you got a bunch of Coloss. So, I don't know. It it, it seems like it's bad news. Uh, bad news bears. So, And I'm hoping that Elend will step up, be the king he's meant to be become a character that I actually enjoy reading about, you know? Because right now, I mean, he's getting there. We've all got a long way to go, though. So we're only, like, we were, like, 24%, I think, when we started these chapters. And so, I don't yeah. know. We ended know. at 29%. So. Yeah, so we still got, you know, over two-thirds of the book left. So there's plenty There's plenty to do. Fair enough. I mean, Ellen does seem like he started a process of change. So maybe by the end of the book, he'll be your favorite character. Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite character in the books? Just now I'm curious. Oh, uh, for me? Yeah. Right now, I would have to say Says, just because, especially in this book, he's been the most, like, his story has been the most interesting so far. Mm. So for right now, I would say Says. If you'd asked me last book, it would have been Kelsier. But this book, it's Says. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, fair enough. Good, good predigmenting. 
Yeah, it's weird. Predigments. I, I know it's 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 a word that got made up because I can't talk right, but it it always makes me think of some sort of like Middle English thing where it's like, "Come all, the time for predigments <laughs> is at hand. What say ye?" <laughs> Joe, one, one tataprio with a shorisota. Oh, I predict, I predict that. uh, Yeah, no, it's bad. (laughs) We're not gonna do the the Canterbury Tales in Middle English. No, I'm not. I'm not going to. But but the Drute of Mars hath pierced to the rota. rota, Yeah, we know. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jamie, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) What say ye, Jamie? What say ye? Uh, <laughs> I don't really have anything big this week. We had a lot of interesting things kind of thrown at us. I think last week I was talking about says uh, and, and having some troubles with like running into the armies or something like that. I don't know what I was waffling on about. It, say's journey didn't go where I thought it was going to go. I don't. I don't know what to expect now. I really think after these chapters, though. Straff venture is now, I don't think, a big as as big a threat as what I thought he was going to be. Um, so out of the three armies, I think Zane is just such a wild card. You know, yes, he's currently on the side of Straff, but ah, uh, I I don't think it would take much for him to side with his brother if he got to know his brother, or or you know, jump ship completely and side with Set. Like who knows? He's very Oh, while yeah, while he's sort of got this insane, you know, voice in his head as well, I just don't know what to expect from him. I think yeah, yeah, I think he's gonna be very unpredictable. But I yeah, I don't think that Straff's army is gonna be as big a problem now. I think they've got their own problems to face, and you know, especially if Straff is just all about putting on this show and and making big power plays, so it's not gonna get him very far when there's an army ready to fight with him. So. Yeah, I guess that's sort of my prediction this week. I don't think it'll be long before he's out of the picture. Zayn, I don't really know what to expect. The Colossus are terrifying. I, I don't really know what they're going to do. But, I mean, Jastis and Ellen had a really good relationship. You know, what's happened now for Jastis to be so anti, <laughs> anti-Elland? Yeah. I'd be really interested to see what's happened there to know a bit more. But I think that's really all I've got this week. Okay. Nothing so- too exciting. Now that we've we've met Straff and Zane now, we've met now Jastis and the Coloss that we didn't even know about before. Mm. We don't really know much about Set yet. So if you think Straff is not necessarily the biggest thing to worry about, who of these three armies that we know about, for all we know there could be another one coming somewhere, who do you think is the biggest threat to worry about? Well, yeah, we don't really know much about Set's army yet. So, I mean, the Kolos, yeah, they're big, they're terrifying. I really wouldn't want to confront them. But, yeah, Set's army probably have got their shit together a bit more. Yeah, so I, I just don't really know what to expect. I mean, there, there's a lot of questions about Set and, you know, where they're coming from and there's things that have happened in the past, you know, out where they're coming from as well. So, yeah, not sure yet. I think it would be a bit easy if the Colos just came in and were terrifying, and I don't think that's a lot of a story. So mm, I think yeah. Set, there's definitely more to Set's army to come. Okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, what say ye, Dak? I say thee nay. Oh, God. Um, 
I don't know. My my immediate thought is like, all right, Coloss Army's going to show up, and no one was aware of it. So that's going to put uh, all negotiations with the other two on the back burner because I think the other two armies are going to be like, we're in the middle of a field with those assholes. Uh, and Set and Straff might just go, hey, um, temporary truce, temporary truce. Yeah, get rid of the Coloss. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Everyone into Luthadel. <laughs> Ellen's just like, oh, fuck no, you guys are on your own. Yeah, I don't know. That I was I was sort of expecting that there would be some action bomb that would just drop and blow out negotiations with Set and Straff, and I think the Coloss are about to do that. I think Jasty's... I, I don't have high hopes for his survival rate, given who he's surrounded himself by. I think he just expects that... El, like Much like Straff, I think Jasty's actually just sort of expects that he'll show up and Elland will just you know, go, Oh, hey, buddy. Good to see you. Thanks for bringing these things, and now I'll let you take over. And I think... Uh, He's going to be... That notion is going to have the shit disabused out of it. I don't know who by at this point, but I, sus- yeah, I suspect that, yeah, Jastis thinks he's got control of the Coloss, and it's, yeah, not going to end well for him. As for the rest mm. of the stuff, I don't know. I think Zane is going to be a major player for a long time, so he's going to make it through all this. I don't know about Straff. You know, he might die soon, he might not. But yeah, it's going to it's going to be a massive battle through here. Maybe Zane is the one who sort of tips, finds out something and tips them off. Hey, we should go to the Well of Ascension. Because I think oh. where I think Vin's story is going to go is like with all these armies here, she's be like, "What the fuck do we do now? This is all gone to shit." And then maybe Sazed or maybe uh, Zane give her some tips about the Well of Ascension. She decides, "All right, I need to find my own thing that's going to just bring an end to all this conflict. I need to go to the Well and find out more about that power." Because I mean, she's already looking up mm. Alendi and trying to find more information there. So I feel like that's probably where she's headed. She's going to go out of necessity to figure like figure out that we got too much shit going on and not enough options. I need to create some more options. Yeah, that makes sense. As long as, as long as she has time. I mean, this is the one situation where you don't want to lose your most powerful piece on the playing field. If uh, she's one of the main things protecting Luthadel is their powerful Mistborn. When there's three armies outside, you don't want to lose her. But at the same time, she can only do so much, right? So, yeah. Okay. Interesting stuff. We have a couple emails that I was going to grab now that we have predigmented. (laughs) First email is from, I'm going to say this is pronounced Etch. It's E-T-S-C-H. And Etch says, hey guys, love the podcast. It is great for listening while at work. None of my friends read much fantasy and I just got my brother started on Mistborn. So it's great to hear other people's take on the books. I have only one problem, LMAO. I think you are too hard on Spook. He's not speaking gibberish or doing it to piss anyone off. Oh, my God. It's an actual dialect that he spoke at his home. All right, listeners. I'm going to take you to task right now, okay? I appreciate you. I'm glad that you're listening and enjoying the podcast. I, I don't care if you think we're being too hard on Spook. I really don't. I really don't care. Um, I, I care, listeners. It's okay. I, I will be as hard on Spook <laughs> as I want. He is awful, and I hate him. <laughs> and just like you're entitled to your opinion uh, that you think we're being too harsh on him, I'm entitled to mine to say uh, I hate him and he's the worst, and I'll be as hard on him as I want to be. So uh, let's uh, let's agree to disagree on this because uh, yeah, you know, we're just not going to come to terms uh, that we both agree here. You may love Spook. You may want to be your best friend. If I met him in a dark alley, I would stab him to death. So. 
don't, don't don't worry, guys. Before we get to Spook's like big dramatic death scene, Joel will love him. It's fine. Oh, okay. I see. Well, you know, like 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 you said. I mean, the listeners may have a perspective on Spook that I don't. As of right now, with as much as I have read, these are my feelings on Spook. Could they be changed? Of course they could. I'm open to change. I'm open to learning stuff about new, uh, characters that are open to knifing in the people world. in an alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could my my opinion on him could change, but for right now, this is how I feel. Also, like I talked about before, on a lighter side of it, I mean, we're just it's just easy to pick on him, <laughs> and and it and it just you know it's 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 all for laughs and giggles, right? It's it's all it's, it's he's just an easy target. Yeah. What also, the thing Ed- about this is. He wasn't even in the, any of these chapters. No, he's not, not in these chapters. Not in this episode until now. <laughs> he, no, he's not in any of these chapters. I don't think he was in any in, in any of the previous chapters that we talked about. Also, guys, come on. He's a fictional character. It, it's not like you I'm actually... You don't understand how awesome uh, Spook is. It's just I, so sad. It's not, it's not like I'm dissing like a real person and being like, this guy's terrible. I hope he dies. It's like, hey, he's he's fictional. It's okay. Uh Etch finishes up his email by uh, he has his own rec- or he, she I don't know has their own recommendation for when we should read secret history and I want to say guys I am we're still we're still a ways off we're still like what is it, 20 35 episodes from the first time it could even come up but I am listening I'm taking into account what everybody says oh I'm not I'm not saying I'm like you know telling votes or anything and letting uh, letting the people decide when we're going to read secret history but in the end, I'm going to make the decision that I feel is best for the podcast, best uh, for the way that we want to or the way that I want to kind of guide these guys through the Cosmere. But hearing what the audience wants to hear, how they think it should go, will factor into that. So please, absolutely. Decisions not made. Send in if you want, uh, you know, your opinion. I think you should read it here. And I think this is why I'm more than happy to hear it. And it will. It does factor in. I am listening to what everyone's saying. Just don't promise that I will do it the way that uh, most people want to have it or, or say that it should be done. Thank you, Etch. Uh, next email is from Jordan. And Jordan says, hey, folks. So I know we've dunked a lot on Dak for his predictions, but I was very impressed today with his detailed thoughts about the possible motivations and thoughts on various characters this week. Well done. Uh, Dak, in case you don't remember, that would have been the episode before the last one we recorded because that one hadn't come out yet. Uh, there, Thanks, man. There were yeah, see, Pete, Jordan likes Dak. It's okay. Who doesn't like Dak? Is there somebody who doesn't like him? No, it was just because, like, Joe and Jamie were getting praised before, and Dak was like, well, I guess uh, I just suck. And yeah. <laughs> but uh, he says there were a couple other predicaments that were very insightful, as usual, not perfect, but some aspects were spot on. He says, I will say regarding the Find the Imposter plotline, Vin really does not want to use the power gaming moves to find the bad guy. She has a history of having everyone she cares about betray her and hates the idea that one of the first people she opened up to might be a fraud. So she, she is subconsciously fighting against putting all of her brain towards solving this. Makes sense. And, uh, he, uh, Jordan, and actually this is the second or third person I've seen recommend this. They're like, hey, if you want a non-street slang sign-off, you could use there's always another secret at the end of the episode. Jordan also says, or you could just yell mm-hmm. like there's an avalanche. Uh, but uh, so I don't know. Do, do you guys like that better than the street slang one that we came up with? No, I mean I feel like uh, I, f- I feel like this shows our love for Spook, right? <laughs> I mean, people can't keep saying that we hate him I, if we keep using his sl- street slang to sign off. I, I feel like the straight the straight slang one is something we came up with. 
like like that was born out of a joke on our sh- on our show that we put yeah. together. So it's like I think that's easier than using using a quote from the books. I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the idea of there's always another secret, but also we say that on the show a lot. Mm. So uh, I, I think that we hit that one enough. Right. So for now, at least we'll keep the. And I mean, wasing with the time of next just has a ring to it, you know? Wasing to the time. Of, no, we'll get there. Anyway, <laughs> last last email <laughs> from Linus. And Linus says, greetings from Finland. Hi, Finland. Uh, love your discussions and theories. Currently oh, wow, reading we have fans in Finland. Blend. Oh, apparently. Let me hold on. Now I want to see. Now, now we're going to bring, uh, bring up awesome. the stats again. Yeah, once he, while he brings up the stats, I'll just tell you guys the only thing that I think of when I think of Finland is the uh, Spamalot scene at the very beginning where they slap each other with fish. <laughs> and if that's insensitive, I didn't make it up. Eric Idle did. So. For the month of September, we have three downloads from Finland. So it's probably all Linus. Thanks, Linus. You're the best. Thanks, Linus. Wow, Finland. Yeah, we got – so now, now you got me looking at it. Our top five countries so far for the month of September are the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, and India, which is funny because New Zealand was beating Australia at one point. But uh, Oh, my God. <laughs> now <laughs> now we're going to do since the beginning of the podcast. For you, yeah. See, if, do, you, if you, do, you guys think, um, do you guys think Lucy Lawless listens to the podcast? No, I do not think that. Oh, I really <laughs> hope that she did. So, okay, for the entire history of the podcast, since I we started you, Lucy. through, okay, not counting this <laughs> month, actually, uh, August 31st, 2018, which is way before we started, through August 30th, 2020, so everything but this month, the U.S. makes up 50%, Canada makes up 7.8, then the U.K., then New Zealand, then Germany, and then Australia. So, over the oh, entire yeah. history... <laughs> New Zealand is beating Australia, <laughs> and then Sweden and India and Israel. Right. So yeah, you, you know the part wow, of we the have downloaded Star Trek... all these I'd never expected. <laughs> you know the part of the Star Trek episodes where Data's Data keeps going on and Picard's finally like, okay, okay Mr. Data, that's that's yep. enough. I feel like uh, the statistics portion of the podcast we got there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't even I, I didn't even get down to like Uganda and Vietnam. Yeah, but I've already you know Picard's already said that's enough. <laughs> fine, fine, be that way. I, I, I should I should point out I'm I'm not I'm not mocking our New Zealand listeners. They're more just like wow Australia, you're letting the team down. So I'm actually mocking our own country. So New Zealand guys, yeah. you guys are great. I love your country. Queenstown is beautiful. Yeah. Lucy Lawless, please uh, tweet me. <laughs> Fun random note from Australia. There's never been a single download from the Northern Territory. That's the only one, the only sec. Oh, and Tasmania. I'm sorry. N- neither of those. Yeah. Well, see, Northern Territory makes sense. <laughs> Be kind, deck. <laughs> <laughs> don't, anyway. don't alienate your Australian <laughs> listeners. Like Joe just alienated anyone who likes spook. <laughs> like, you shut up, you people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they're just taking us too seriously. I mean, we're we're a bunch of uh, you know, we're some lads and a gal having a laugh. You know, it's not it's not like we really hate this guy. He's not real. <laughs> but thank you, Linus. Thank you for getting me on a tangent about uh, about the numbers for the show because it's one of my favorite things and uh, it and, and it annoys Joe so it works out on all sorts of levels which yeah, I yeah it's just an exact calculation of the statistics <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone else wants to email us the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. feel free to talk about do we, statistics do we actually hang on. 
Did we actually read Linus's email? No, yeah, that was. Uh, I, hold on, let me let me make sure that I missed anything. Oh, I'm sorry, I I missed the very final line where he says, "Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Hero of Ages as well when the time comes." But yeah, there's just a couple sentences in here. It was it was a short email. Thank mm. you, Linus. Email us sailandlanchetgmail.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter and uh, and uh, and what's that thing called? The pictures, Instagram. That's what it's called. Right. Thank you guys all for emailing, and um, you know, please don't take anything I said to heart. I'm, I'm just joking around. He know, means I, it. He means every word of it. Yeah, I like going tit for tat. You know, sometimes there's a little more tit than tat. You know what I'm saying? So you know. That didn't make it, any sense. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> I followed you. It's all right. Okay, thank you for listening, everyone. We will be back next week with chapters 20, 21, and 22. That is three chapters again of the Well of Ascension. 2020 yeah 21 21 22 21 is a real short chapter not quite as short as that one extremely short chapter we read but pretty short anyway so uh, come back exactly what I was like as short as that one no not nearly it's like three times the length of that one and yet still uh relatively <laughs> short. so yeah. anyway thanks everyone for listening uh we appreciate it despite what joe says don't 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 listen to the hate that he spews it's fine and uh wasing to the time of next everyone Spook sucks. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. All that die, 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 we keep it in our hands. Oh, 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 oh. We are the fading boys. We are the Tell it to the page Who will never let it fade